Good evening, everyone out there in Rant Army. This is the Monster Man, Cleve Hall. I'm inviting you to listen to the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast as they dissect one of my favorite films that I worked on back in the 80s, Reanimator. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. Enjoy. Recording live from the Black Lodge, it's me, the free will burning, head turning, ass kicking, machismo dripping, master podcasting, mouthpiece of the Southeast, Brandon A. Lane bringing you a new edition of the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai across the eighth dimension. Ghoulies, Troll, and Terror Vision. What possibly could all these films have in common? Well, it's not a what. But a who? And the answer to who was heard at the very top of this episode, none other than legendary special effects artist, Cleve Hall. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this gentleman's body of work and his legendary status, then let's take a trip back in time to the Sci-Fi Channel original programming tour de force, known as Monster Man. And albeit short-lived, it's terrific. I invite all of you out there... No, I don't invite you... I demand that you seek this out. You get to see Cleve, his two children, his ex-wife, uh, working for a company called Soda FX, building giant uh, two-headed sharks, werewolves, 1950s aliens, uh, Gorgo-inspired kaiju. It's just wonderful stuff. And where the show never saw a second season, it hasn't detoured him in the least. He is still working to this day, and as we speak, he is one of the lead fabricators on the new Jay and Silent Bob film. Cleve, thank you, not only for doing this intro, but for keeping practical effects alive. It's the bread and butter of all the things that we love in horror and cult films. You're doing the Lord's work, or maybe in this case the devil's, but either way, we salute you. So I want all of you out there in the Rant Army to follow him on social media. You can find him on Facebook under Cleve Hall. Real name. It's actually him. Friend him. He might even talk to you. But if you want a more direct line with all you hipster kids and your Twitters, then follow him at what I'm calling right now the greatest Twitter handle of all time. It fits him like a glove at Mecca Goth. Zilla. Terrific. Absolutely terrific. If you're following him, why aren't you following us? Follow us on Twitter at Rants Black Lodge. You can subscribe and follow the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Music, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, and take a stroll on by and see us a spell at JuicyKruger.com. Oh yeah, is there something I'm getting for tonight? What is it? Oh yeah, it's one of Cleve's movies! None other than the 1985 tour de force of all splatter films, Reanimator. Now, Fat Fuck Scott and I are going to be giving you a full-length feature commentary. But before we can get to the festivities, we got to have some messages from our sponsors. Next Generation Wrestling brings some of the most talked about and star-studded professional wrestlers from around the world. Based out of East Tennessee, NGW is becoming one of the most sought-after independent wrestling promotions in the past four years. Witness NGW Live or on demand on the High Spots Wrestling Network streaming app. Follow us on social media platforms at NextGenTN. 
Hey, assholes! It's me, Boner the Skeleton, mascot of the Rants for the Black Lodge podcast. Here to sell you some shit you probably can't afford. Are you low on cash? That's not a problem. Sell your children. Sell your blood. Go to the jack-off clinic and give them a sperm sample. We don't care how you get the money as long as you give it to us. Want a t-shirt? Want a sticker or a mug to show that you're a true friend and a member of the Rant Army? Well, guess what? Go to Rant Army Surplus. The link is in the description. And if you don't buy something, then fuck ya! Alright, Rant Army, making his valiant return to the Black Lodge is a man I want you to reanimate your enthusiasm for the long, the long, long time uh, Rant Army general and the man sitting to my left, none other than Fat Fuck Scott. Hello! It's been a while. It has been a while. Your last episode was back in December for uh, Scooby Doo meets Kiss uh, Rock and Roll Mystery. Worst films ever made, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm quite, bouncing back. I, I wouldn't quite go that far. However, tonight I think it's going to make uh, it's going to wash the uh, the bad taste out of your mouth. However, let's talk about taste in your mouth right now. You don't have the uh, the impediment of no. a alcoholic beverage. Congratulations I have, I got on uh, sweet tea and two Arizonas beside me. Green tea to keep my voice sounding smooth and gorgeous for all you lovely people out there listening. Yeah, this will be my first time recording sober, so let's let's hope it goes well. Well, I'm drinking twice as much just to keep a balance in the Black Lodge. Um, we have an endorsement tonight uh, from the lovely male girl from Joe Bob's last drive-in, the wonderfully talented in more ways than one, Diana Prince, a.k.a. Darcy, Darcy. Melrose. So you want to talk a little bit about how she's been interacting with us on Oh, Twitter? yeah. Uh, she's liked and retweeted us a couple times. She said she's excited for this episode because it's one of her favorite films of all time. The blood, the gore, the titties, the head scene, everything about it. So, we're doing this for you, Darcy. And shout out to Joe Bob as well. Yeah, we love you. Congratulations on uh, getting greenlit for a second season. So, what I'm going to invite all of you to do tonight is to use your Shutter account to watch this movie along with us. If you'd like a visual aid, if you just want to hear us rant about nonsense. Alright, without further ado, if you choose to watch the movie, you're going to queue it up. It's going to be the very first opening scene. There's going to be a shot, an establishing shot of the school in Zurich. So, on the count of three... I'll say hit play, hit play, and we'll be off to the races. All right. Three, two, one, play. Let's jam. I was going to say let's rock. That's a oh. that's a uh, Twin Peaks reference. Uh, you haven't seen Firewalk with me, so you wouldn't no, exactly not. get that. It's, it's on the docket, everybody. We're gonna, we're, we, I swear eventually we will get to a Twin Peaks episode. Um, Reanimator, the film in question, uh, was released October 18th, 1985. Uh, on DVD, it came out on December 10th, 1997. Uh, its budget was estimated at uh, $900,000. It was shown in 129 theaters, and it has a box office of 543728 That was its opening weekend. So, yeah, it, uh, it very nearly did its entire budget in its first weekend. For a movie showing in that few theaters, that's pretty damn good. Its overall uh, domestic run in the United States was $2,023,414. Oh, so yeah, it made a fuck ton of money, and that's discounting all the uh, Anchor Bay, uh, Aero Video, um, 
uh, Shout Factory, Scream Factory editions over the years. So many Home, things. you know, VHS and all down the line. It's it's done very, very well. It's Dr. Well. Hans Gruber. Yes, Hans Gruber. Uh, we actually have a question about uh, him uh, from our uh, one of our other pal- panelists, um, Titty Flippin' Travis, that we'll get to just a little bit later. So we'll table that discussion. However, um, I, I think for the purposes of this movie, uh, we need to talk about the, the background of it. But across the board, I think this movie has probably one of the best um, critic-to-audience ratios ever. Um, Which is insane, considering what's going on screen right now. Yes, uh, eyeballs are exploding. (laughs) Yeah, Hans Gruber has seen better days. Uh, Okay, here's a question for you. Who has a better death scene, Hans Gruber in Die Hard or Hans Gruber in Reanimator? His death is cooler, this one. But Hans Gruber falling out of the tower and that general, that genuine look of shock on Alan Rickman's face cannot be beat. It is a, ter- it's a terrific, oh. it's a terrific shot in, in Die Hard. Um, and that sh- it's almost the exact same shot is done in, in, uh, with Ronnie Cox in Robocop. Yep. And it looks fucking terrible. So congratulations to Die Hard on doing something better than Alan Robocop. Alan Rickman can make anything work. Not Just any- saying. Not anymore. Oh, that's, that's down. This movie holds a 95% a fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. It has an audience score of 82%. That's pretty much neck and neck. Everybody likes this movie. IMDb, it's uh, 7.2, which is pretty damn high. Google users rated it 92% as well. That's incredible, especially when you take uh, the climate of slasher horror genre in the 80s. I mean, it was, I mean, this is, you know, mothers against uh, horror movies, and uh, society just was not in a place where this was a uh, coffee table oh, discussion. No. no. So over time, this movie has like really, really found its niche. And I don't know so much that it was like this huge success uh, critically at the time, but over time people have reassessed it as being just this, you know, masterwork of dark horror yeah. comedy. It is. It's, it's some of the way the lines are delivered. It's just perfect dark comedy. Like there's nothing, Funny about the way to the liver lines, it just happens to oh, wait, come right, out er, funny. Everybody, situation. everybody plays their role straight, and it allows the comp, the ridiculousness of the moment to kind of uh, have something to play against. I really like that there's a ridiculous nature um, juxtaposed with the reality of, mm-hmm. you know, I know <laughs> reality is something that kind of goes out the window when you're dealing oh, with yeah. injecting people with Mountain Dew and bringing them back to life, but whatever. It actually wasn't Mountain Dew. I know it's it not is, Mountain yeah. Dew, but that's my... Yeah! Go ahead, what is it? It was actually a glow stick stuff. Glow stick uh, the glow stick stuff. This is the very first time it was ever used on film. According to them, I'm not sure about that. I didn't really study it at all. But according to them, they said this is the first time it was ever used on film in a big way. Well, it definitely it definitely works. Uh, this movie's green, uh, green, neon green tint. Oh, awesome. It's in the fridge. Yeah, it's, it's cold, it's, you know. It splits up. Yeah, it's just got a really cool aesthetic to it. And speaking of aesthetics, this uh, credit sequence we're seeing here... Um, the whimsical riff on the psycho theme. Uh, uh, <laughs> by whimsical riff, you mean uh, plagiarism? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, there's like a techno beat behind it as well. That's the slight change. It's like uh, when Vanilla Ice ripped off Queen. You know, Ugh. that's is the difference. By the way, here's our first set of tits in the movie. Um, our worth titty, it. Our our titty tally um, is. Could be five, it could be four, and I'm going to justify this. Uh, you later, you see this lady right here getting worked on by Dan Kane, played by Bruce Abbott. Um, you have um, two morgue zombies who uh, come back 
to life. Mm-hmm. But I have a theory that I can't exactly quantify that this woman right here is actually one of them, and you just can't see her enough because you don't really see her face right here <clears throat> to because it's a. I know there is a hefty lady toward the end as well. Yeah, so, so maybe so maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But the best set of tits in the movie, the lovely, lovely Megan Halsey played by Barbara, Barbara Crampton, Crampton, who um, is mm. in her fucking 60s and looks better than most women do in their 20s. I would I would nail that down hard. Slight thing to interject here. The, uh, the woman Dan is resuscitating right now was uh, known from, uh, according to Stuart, Stuart Gordon, as a dildo enthusiast, so she would just randomly hide dildos in the dead bodies throughout the film. Well, there, <laughs> there's, no, there's no need for a, a sex it up segment. No. I think this movie is already pretty oh, it's, damn it's sexy. really sexy. It gets sexier as it goes on, too. Okay. Um, one of the things uh, I think we uh, have lacked to do in the, in the past is to give a proper plot synopsis for this film. So if you would do us uh, the kindness of reading off the plot synopsis and <clears throat> discuss it for you. <clears throat> Herbert West has a very good head on his shoulders, and another one on a dish on his desk. Deep within the morgue at Miskatonic University, arrogant madman West, played played by Jeffrey Combs, introduces fellow graduate student Dan Kane, played by Bruce Abbott, to a startling formula for the reanimation of fresh corpses. But the secret of life and death has some very messy consequences. Get ready to re-experience. One of the most outrageously inventive horror films of all time. The over-the-top classic that New York Times hails as ingenious. It has as much originality as it has gore, and that's really saying something. Joe Bob gave it four stars. <laughs> Goddamn right he did. And as we've said before, Darcy uh, giving it uh, as many stars as she found necessary. Joe Bob also said uh, this movie has his favorite horror performance of all time in it. Yes, it was. Who was that? Mr. David Gale. Who plays Doctor Hill? Because he loves, he loses his head halfway through the movie and still finishes the movie. <laughs> it's true. He's he's quite terrific, and we're gonna give a full rundown on him. But I think the first person in this movie that we have to talk about um, in long form is none other than the gentleman who wrote the uh, ba- the basis of what this film is. A god of horror. A god of horror. You know, a demigod, mm. an old mm. god. <laughs> An none elder other, one. None other than H.P. Lovecraft. Um, he was born uh, August 20th, 1890. He died March 15th, 1937 at age 46, unfortunately, from cancer. Uh, from 1917 to 1937, he wrote some of horror's most influential stories, including uh, The Call of Cthulhu at the Mountains of Madness, which mm. you know is sort of like this, this wonderful thing that has been... Attempted to being brought to film so many times. And it's very hard to do H.P. Lovecraft right. Well, Guillermo del Toro is determined to bring this, and God um, willing, knock on wood, it's going to fucking happen. Anybody can do it. Uh, Shadow over In's Mouth and mm. Herbert West's Reanimator. Uh, none of them were particularly successful at the time. Um, Actually, H.P. Lovecraft said he hated doing the Reanimator stories, and the only reason he kept pumping them out is because he get $5 for every story he submitted on it. Well, if people you, loved it. Well, if you put it to uh, perspective of like how much five dollars was in like yeah. the twenties, mm-hmm. that's a good chunk of money. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, he he pretty much along with Edgar Allan Poe and Stephen King are kind of like I guess the trifecta of like you know the, I agree with that the the cornerstones of like of what horror every goth kid in high school says they love but don't really understand or really read. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I I own the collective works of H.P. Lovecraft. Well. You can actually read through it pretty quickly. Um, uh, most of his most famous stories were very short very stories. Very short stories. They're, they're very much to the punch. And um, Stuart Gordon has made pretty much a career out of adapting... Um, Dagon. Well, yeah. This one. From Beyond. Uh, Castle Freak was Ca- actually Castle Freak. a riff on one. I can't remember which story it was. Oh, I mean, it's it called Castle Freak. No, but it's terrific. It's about a monster seeing his own reflection and not realizing that he's the monster, and he's terrified the whole mm-hmm. movie, or the whole story. It's, it's terrific. I think uh, our hero, well, not our hero, Herbert West isn't the main character either. Mr. Dan Kane is, but this character as well. He's actually in Castle Freak as well, isn't he? Who, Bruce Abbott? Yeah. No. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I'm about, well, well, about to Google it. I have his rundown. We'll, okay. we'll, get, we'll accomplish We're getting there. it. Okay. Talking Heads poster above his bed. That's hilarious. If you don't get it, then you've probably never seen the movie. It'll make sense later. Um, good stuff. Gives good stuff. Also, I really mm. like the cut there of him uh, or of her going, no, 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 no. no. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's smart, <laughs> forward-thinking uh, filmmaking, you know, and having an idea of how to cut before mm. you lay anything to celluloid. Um, let's talk some more about H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, he's influenced everybody from Stephen King, John Carpenter, Guillermo del Toro, who I mentioned before, uh, the great Sam Raimi, uh, Robert Block, who wrote Psycho, Mike Mignola, creator of Hellboy. You can't deny the influence yeah. there. Countless others. Um, I'm just going ahead and get this out of the way, even though it's what a like, as a yeah, ter- terrific rack. You could see it again <laughs> towards the end of the movie for a long shot too. Um, uh. She uh, she's. She's completely naked in this movie, which is another sort of taboo during the... the bush and everything. Oh, it's good. Man, 80s bush. Good, <laughs> good stuff. Bring back the 80s bush. <laughs> Hashtag 80s bush. Hashtag 80s bush. Get that trending, Rant Army. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of sex, well, uh, I didn't think this was entirely necessary, but I'm going to do it anyways. We'll have it sex it up mm. for uh, Reanimator, which would be Repenetrator, starring Jeffrey Combs as Herbert Brest. Now, I thought I was being super clever about this. I looked it up. It fucking exists. <laughs> of course it does. What is it, uh, rule uh, 34? Yeah, if it does, if it has something that should exist with porn, then it does somewhere on the internet. It has been turned into porn. Everywhere. Well, well, congratulations. I'm sure it's terrific. I wasn't able to find it. Um, oh, we're going to find We're going to review that next. It's going to be awesome. Um, Miss Darcy? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, you know, you're... You're not blonde, but uh, I think you might be uh, well-suited for a film of this caliber. Um, Stuart Gordon, director of this film, uh, like I said before, made his career off of adapting the works of H.P. Lovecraft, but it's not, you know, all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But let's just give him a rundown. From Beyond, one of the best. Uh, We'll get to talk a little bit later about which of his films are better, this one or Reanimator, or uh, From Beyond. Uh, he did Dolls, uh, Robot Jocks, Pit and the Pendulum, which is fucking terrific, and it, and, and it has one of my all-time favorite lines of dialogue uh, where they're accusing this woman of being a, a witch, and they say, she's kissed the devil's cock, which is not meant to be funny, but it is, the way it's delivered. Ah. Very, very funny. Fortress, also with Jeffrey Combs, uh, terrific, uh, futuristic, almost... Uh, Escape from New York mixed with a prison movie, really, really cool. Wasn't Escape from New York a prison movie? Well, kind of, but <laughs> but it, but it's the, the prison is New York rather than an actual prison. Fortress is a prison that's built underground, yes, and yes, in the yes. sequel it was in space, but we won't talk about that. 
Um, Edmund with uh, William H. Macy uh, kind of went under the radar. Um, Oscar-worthy performances in that film really showed that Stuart Gordon could do something beyond the uh, horror genre. He also uh, wrote this from beyond. And what you may not know is that he wrote the basic story for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Now, That's a left turn. Okay, all right. Yeah. Left turn. Now, <laughs> the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids situation is sort of a complicated one. Uh, the project, known at the time as Teeny Weenies, uh, was brought to Disney Studios by Stuart Gordon and producer Brian Usna, who worked on this mm-hmm. film and several other of uh, uh, Stuart Gordon's films as well. Uh, they were both hired to direct and produce, respectively, and the script was reworked by a gentleman named Tom Shulman and retitled to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, Stuart Gordon prepped the film, and they, they were ready to, like, lay celluloid down, like, shoot this fucker, as uh, Bella Lugosi would say. Um, but he had to drop out of it due to illness. So, basically, one of the biggest films of the 80s could have been helmed by one of the underdogs of horror cinema and it could have propelled him into the stratosphere i mean working i wonder with, how different that film would have been i you know and i'll honestly i think it probably would have been generally the same but i think there would have been a little the color palette definitely i think would have been different um i mean Stuart gordon is a, a very good he comes from a theater background so mm-hmm. he, he's really good with actors and that's not disrespecting the gentleman who actually ended up directing Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but I, I'm, I just imagine what he could have got out of Rick Moranis. And by the way, Rick Moranis, who was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, was in Ghostbusters, so you just got busted. There's your connection to Ghostbusters. Like, two. Yeah, I know. Well, our shortest ones ever. No. <laughs> There'll be more. Oh, God. <laughs> so, like I said before, he comes from a stage background. He had originally planned for it to be a stage play, and it evolved over time into a more of what was going to be a faithful black and white television pilot, and that didn't work. He wanted to shoot this film in black and white. You want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, he originally wanted to shoot it in black, white, sixteen millimeter to give it a more grainy look. That's what he saw in his head, but they wouldn't approve of it. So and it cost so, a little bit more to actually shoot in black and white for some reason. You know, in it, that style. Yeah, well, high contrast, and um, but. He kind of went in the opposite direction. This movie has a really vibrant, neon bright color palette. I mean, with without it looking expressly eighties, like I mean, aesthetically, like I mean, there's no, there's not like popped collars all over the place, and I mean, there are some eighties aesthetic to it, but it really looks like an eighties movie from a visual standpoint, like the way it's shot, the color palette, and all of that, rather than the content of you know. Dudes with uh, Venetian sunglasses and uh, Zubaz pants. And, and well, they don't really stuff. go out. Most of, I, actually, I think, other than that establishing shot at the beginning, this entire movie shot indoors, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't think there. Uh, I don't know if there's a single other than that one at the beginning. I don't think there's. Well, really I mean, that's, any. An, that's an establishing shot. I don't think there are any characters that appear outside. If we're incorrect, I'll I'll uh, I'm slap myself. Ninety nine percent sure. Um, so, like I said, um, Brian Usna, who produced this film, he's he's had a pretty prolific career, uh, both as a director and as a producer. Uh, mo- more so uh, as a producer, uh, but, I mean, his list of directorial efforts is not to be scoffed at. He did the sequel to this film, Bride of Reanimator, which is terrific. <laughs> it's... Uh, 
a lot more ridiculous uh, up front than, than this one is. And uh, it was slapped with a, a pretty harsh rating. And for the longest time, no one had seen the, the original cut. And finally, it was released on DVD, and we got to see all the, the wonderful ridiculousness of uh, Kathleen Kenmont being stitched back together. I want to know if there's an extended cut of this somewhere. Because I read that this was a, originally, this was like a two and a half hour film. Oh, there's a bunch of uh, deleted scenes on the DVD. And by the way, we are watching the unrated cut of this film. Um, for years, the R-rated cut was all you could find. And thankfully, through the efforts of... There's a thing. Bay, we got the... I'm not sure if it's in this scene. No, never mind. I'll mention it later uh, as it comes up, because I know there's something with Dr. Hill. One of the subplots got cut out. Oh, well, let's just go ahead and talk about it now. Uh, Dr. Hill's character at one point was supposed to have some sort of mental ability to persuade people. And there are instances in the movie where he... Or people, I guess, give in to him. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense for the characters that, like, they just... And I didn't realize it until I think I was actually watching Joe Bob, and he pointed out that whole subplot scene... Um, where he looks at somebody's eyes, and then even Herbert West, our hero, not hero, anti-hero, for no reason. And you're like, "What? Why did he do that?" And that's why it's because well, they cut that entire subplot out, but they did not cut out the scenes where he actually does it. Um, to be fair, uh, immediately after that, he does knock his head off uh, with, with the shovel. Um, let's talk about David Gale. Um, first of all, um, you want to talk about his wig? <laughs> Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's, it's it's so bad. This is one of the scenes, too. Anytime they shoot from behind, it's terrible. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I mean, the, the gist of it was that it was a lot cheaper. He had to shave his head and wear a toupee as they found this to be keeping in with Dr. Hill's character. In the DVD commentary, it was revealed that this was also necessary for budgetary reasons, as there was no money available to match Gail's hair on a prosthetic head prop. Man, it's poor man's process. I mean, it, it, you got to think like you do what you got to it, do. It's cheaper, cheaper to to, mint, uh, to blend it with a with a wig than to actually have it. You know, styled. and I'm sure on VHS, it like when it came out and stuff, it did, probably didn't look as bad as it does like touched up well, on DVD. Yeah, we're, we're not even watching it on Blu-ray, and it, yeah, it, it is very, very noticeable. noticeable. Um, David Gale, uh, probably uh, too good of an actor for this genre of film. I mean this movie in of itself kind of breaks that paradigm but very accomplished uh but he has a he's been uh, acting since the 50s yeah i mean he's got a really really good uh hundreds you know theater holy crap um he was in savage weekend sort of a proto slasher from the late 70s uh the brain naked gun terrific movie Mm. um bride of reanimator as we said before he was in the first power with lou diamond phillips uh the switch with ellen barkin uh jimmy smiths and joe beth williams he was also in the giver which is a um, like a manga anime <laughs> thing turned into a, a ridiculous uh, superhero uh, I love horror you film. about anime. I don't know shit about anime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 1991 from complications from open heart surgery. Um, and he sort of had bad luck um, stemming from his acting career across the board. Uh, he was married during the time of this. Uh, however, this film sort of contributed to the divorce uh, from him and his wife. I think it was even directly cited in their divorce papers that this, it was unclassy or something like that along those lines where she did not know who she was really married to if he was willing to do something like that. Well, I, I believe, that didn't she show up on uh, set to make sure that like he didn't actually like mm-hmm. go down on her? They were just, they, <laughs> they were not meant for each other in any way. There's no trust. 
Oh man, it's just a weird, weird combination of uh, circumstances that that lead to. I mean, Hollywood's a weird place just in general. Mm. Like people, you, you get on set and you, you fall in love. But I'm pretty sure there was next to no chance of David Gale betting Barbara <laughs> Crampton. I might be wrong, Barbara. If you're out there yeah. and you had tweet us out. I mean, I added you on Twitter, so she's out there still. <laughs> she tweets all actively. Oh man, and she's so attractive, and she's so good. She's so um. Uh, her eyes say so much about her character. And I've said this before in, in other commentaries that we've done. It's so hard to write women uh, as strong characters without making them bitchy. Because um, like, there's a big difference between someone being in danger and, and someone being weak. Mm-hmm. And she's not weak but you do have empathy for her because of the situation that she's in. And it all comes through her eyes. She's very uh, responsive and, you know, very in the moment. And it, it doesn't help or doesn't hurt that she's, you know, very stunning. Those, those eyes are just, you know, melt your heart. Um, music. Uh, Richard Band, uh, legendary composer, as we kind ripped of went over, Psycho. ripped off the, uh, <laughs> the theme for... He got uh, slammed for it, but he is an award-winning composer, so... Um, it, uh, it worked out for him. Well, I mean, he's continued to work over the years, so it, it hasn't hurt him too much. No, didn't slow him down at all. I mean, the inter- the internet was not around. Like, if he had done this now, um, I, I don't know. I think the this whole, movie couldn't be made now. Uh, Are you kidding me? It, yeah, okay, it, it could, but it just sure as fuck wouldn't be in theaters. Ah, uh, that's that's true. The direct to market is uh, a lot more lenient these days than than it was back then. It wouldn't be carried at Walmart. <laughs> uh, it'd be in a brown paper bag behind the <laughs> behind the counter. And hey man, you got that? You got that reanimator, man. <laughs> <laughs> I need some of that reanimator. Um, R- Richard Band, uh, he composed a Laser Blast, Parasite, uh, House. On Sorority Row, Metal Storm, Mutant with Bo Hopkins is a terribly bad movie that you could have saw back in the day on Monster Vision. The Dungeon Master, which was uh, directed by our good friend uh, Ted Nicolau, who's been on the podcast before. Shout out. Uh, Ghoulies, uh, which he did the editing for yet again. Troll, Terror Vision, which was directed by Ted Nicolau <laughs> from Beyond, Prison, <laughs> Arena, Puppet Master, like... All of this them. This is all like Rant's family people just yeah. coming together. Yeah, we're we're all a big sick uh, sick family. Uh, Demonic Toys. Mark Doctor Mordred, which uh, Jeffrey Combs was in, which was uh, originally going to be a Doctor Strange film, and unfortunately, due to licensing rights, they lost the name, but they kept if the you script. Still watch it. It's you can definitely tell it's supposed to be Doctor Strange. I mean, if he had the white in his hair and the uh, and the goatee, he's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Um, Richard Band was nominated for a Primetime Emmy in 2006 for uh, Masters of Horror, which is a terrific show. He did Dreams in the Witch House, which was directed by Stuart Gordon. So they've kept it in the family. You know, the, the bands and the Stuarts, uh, the Stuarts, the Gordons have have worked together on and off all throughout the years. Um, like I said, he's been heavily criticized for ripping off Bernard Horman, uh, Herman's score for Reanimator or score for Psycho. A little, little fibbit, though. Richard Band actually went over schedule two days while composing on this, and he actually composed it in Rome. Yeah, and the, as a result of that, he had to invest fifteen hundred dollars of his own money. And well, the Rome Philharmonic uh, actually plays on this, and they don't come cheap. I mean, no. that's like a legit orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
I come from a point of view in, in horror films, especially from the eighties, that there there's two ways to do it. Um, you you either you got to get a dude with a synthesizer that sounds like a like a cat jumping on it like randomly. <laughs> you mean like what we're hearing right now? <laughs> or, or you uh, you go a classical route, and this movie kind of bridges those two gaps because it, it is very synth, but it has a more classical sound to it. So albeit sort of blatantly ripping off Psycho, it does work to the benefit of the movie. Yeah, I'll say like Jabob did. Uh, he was paying homage. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> if they didn't say like that. One of my favorite scenes in anything is about to happen. Uh, <laughs> when he turns around and first shows the cat on his back. Oh, man. It, like, I fell off my couch laughing last night because I totally forgot the hour day. Right here. Yeah. He turns is... around. <laughs> this, 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 thing ever. this is some <laughs> Three Stooges level <laughs> comedic physical acting. Oh, my God. He's like just standing there, like what? What are you supposed to do? <laughs> oh, and I love when it hits the uh, chuck the cat. Yeah, and, and then this Grouse, acting right here—is that a cricket bat? That's a what it's is a, that? It's a croquet, croquet mallet. mallet. Cricket. I don't know what crumpet is. But oh jeez, I knew Sorry. we were going to. I that. had to. <laughs> He's making a TMNT 1990 reference, which is better than Secret of the U's Fight Me, Scott. No, I'll fight you over it all day. It's <laughs> not better. Kevin Nash wasn't in that one, so... Oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck, Kevin Big Nash. Big Sexy? Well, that was probably on the Oz days, so it wasn't really much of a jump. Uh, God. Uh, I want to meet Kevin Nash just to ask him about that. We're getting off course here. Yeah, fuck. Sorry. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Combs, uh, probably top three uh, actors uh, of the genre for my money uh, that it pains me I've never had the opportunity to meet. Um, he's, he transcends the genre of oh, cat. <laughs> that puppet. Now there Chuck! it is. And it's a little chunk of his brain. Bloop. <laughs> Amazing. But he, he's managed to transcend what easily could, this could have been basically the one note of his career. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, you know, people that we love in this genre have one thing they're known for, but he's been able to continually work consistently since, you know, like the late 70s. Uh, he was in Frightmare, which is not a very good movie, but uh, he's very good in it. Man with Two Brains with Steve Martin. Very small role. And I have to think that that movie, uh, you know, the, the comparisons are bound to be drawn there with Reanimator because he plays an orderly who mm -hmm. is during the surgery of the man with two brains. Uh, obviously, the Reanimator trilogy. You know, one and two are both classics. What's uh, crazy is like this. This could have been terrible. Anybody else would have tried to play this character any differently. It could have came off so hokey and terrible. But the way he does it, it comes off genuinely awesome. Well, I mentioned it before. So like, dry. Everybody plays it straight, and I, I think that's what allows the comedy to work because they're not winking and nodding to oh. it. But yeah, I could easily have seen someone <laughs> else in this role completely hamming it up. And, and I can't even say that it would have been a bad movie, but I don't think this movie would have the But he almost over his his the way he plays in this specific movie as well, like the other ones were good too. He did he did an awesome job in the other two reanimator films, but he almost overshadows everyone like everyone else oh, in the scenes no, he's in. No, he steals the movie. Absolutely. Every single time he's on screen. I mean, I, truthfully I think he he and David Hill or David Hill was that his name? 
David Gale, sorry. Yeah, Gale. Um, Carl Hill is his character's name. They steal the movie. Uh, without them, it wouldn't work, but his relationship and the way... The third movie does not have Bruce Abbott in it, mm. who plays Dr. Daniel Kane. And they have a good rapport with one another. And for me, that's the that's the secret sauce. That I'm makes honestly surprised uh, Dan Kane didn't go on to be bigger than what he was. Uh, well, because we'll get, he's a uh, we'll get we'll get to why he acts he acts with his eyes, and that's very hard to do. Like uh, some of my favorite actors of all time, they're able to say I'm, so much without actually saying a word. Now he uh, does that. We'll we'll get it. We'll get into him. Oh man, in a, in a little bit. There, there's our uh, radioactive Mountain Dew. <laughs> Arc low fluid. Shake it up, put it in the fridge, it'll last longer. That's why he does it. Um, back to uh, Jeffrey Combs. Uh, he was also in The Giver. He played a character named Dr. East, which is pr- pretty veiled. Uh, in a, Not even veiled. Uh, a pretty blatant... Um, <sighs> that That's not beer. That's not that's beer. He's Arizona, Arizona green tea. Green tea. Mm. Uh, Transfers to... Uh, Fortress, yeah, I named that before. Necronomicon, he, where he played H.P. Lovecraft. Yep. Uh, the that Frighteners, uh, he's terrific in that movie. He's got a really, really weird <laughs> haircut. Uh, I still know what you did last summer. He was in 32 episodes <coughs> of Star Trek DS9. That's he, actually probably what he's most known for, was the the Star Trek stuff. That was the first thing uh, that came up when he's played. He's played. He's had a role on uh, it and Enterprises. Played different, two different characters. Different characters. Yes, recurring, which is impressive. I'm not a Star Trek guy. Uh, Our deep, fearless deep, leader is Deep Space Nine. Is a terrific show. And when when he showed up, that's when the show started to get good because they're dealing with this whole wormhole in space and the difference between the Alpha Quadrant and the, the Delta Quadrant. All right, nerd, calm well, it down. I'm, I'm explaining calm it down. He, he plays this character named Wayoon, and the, well, there's a bunch of Wayoon, so he ends up like playing basically like different versions of the same character because like when one gets killed, a new one takes its place. But they're all essentially the same <laughs> character. I know, shut the fuck up. It's a good show. I love the Dean. The Dean in this movie is so impressive. Uh, um, Dr. Alan Halsey. Uh, later, when he becomes, you know, basically brainless zombie thing or whatever, I actually thought it was two different people playing him. Because he just does so well acting insane. Or brainless, I guess. Uh, by the way, his name is Robert Sampson. and it's so incredible. I, I agree. It looks like he belongs on Dallas. <laughs> Look on it. Look very, at him. He is very J.R. ewing There you go. Uh, he's known for, he was in a couple of episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, uh, Mr. Rico, which is a Dean Martin movie. He was in Falcon's Crest, which is pretty much Dallas, so you hit the uh, head. There you go, there you go. Uh, he was in Netherworld, which is a really, really good movie. He had some smaller roles on the Twilight Zone. Uh, Magnum P.I., he was in Ra- Rawhide with uh, Clint Eastwood. Uh, the Outer Limits, uh, small roles in Star oh, Trek, man. and the Jeffersons, so he'd been working quite a while. Uh, but I dare say this is probably the thing that he's known for best. Um, getting because horror fans don't forget. No, they don't, and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure he's dead now. But had if he were still alive, you know, he could probably make a comfortable living going to conventions yeah. and signing reanimator lunchboxes and shit for the, for the rest of his life. Uh, interesting fact. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not holding on. Okay, you fine. hold on. This uh. Oh. Abbott recalls having trouble guiding this gurney down the hallway to the morgue. 
is uh, he's quoted as saying, "You know, we got that green from Dan O'Bannon's Return of the Living Dead. That's they right. Got they, it. they did. They did because they already had the hole cut in it for them to use later. Absolutely. Boom." Dropping some knowledge on you. Yeah, well, I appreciate I that. This uh, the security guard. His name, the character name is Mace. He's played by Jerry Black. Uh, he has a pretty extensive career as well. Uh, he was in 14 episodes of Hill Street Blues. He was in National Lampoon's Vacation with Chevy Chase, who was in Caddyshack with Bill oh Murray. Oh my God! No, she just got busted again. Also, according to the director, they have, there was supposed to be more mentioned in the you know the longer cut version. But basically, every time he leaves his post, there's slight nods to it. But he's going to masturbate. Oh yeah, he's he's, he's looking at porn. <laughs> he's slowly he's looking at porn. But they don't really address it. But I, I kind of glad that they don't really say it out loud. They just kind of let you figure that out for yourself. Hey, this is you're, you're guarding a morgue. Like your your job is boring. You got to get all, your kicks off. I'm sitting up with the dead no more. <laughs> um, he was in Mr. Mom with uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, he was in Death Warrant with Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, he was in Howling Six, The Freaks, and I'm gonna qu- tell a quick story about this movie. Um, number one, terrible movie. Uh, most of the Howling sequels are, but this is one of the one of the better ones if that means anything. Uh, I got this movie on VHS. Uh, I was maybe like 17 or 18 years old for Christmas. Now you got to think in the time frame. This is when DVD has completely overtaken VHS, and a lot of video rental places are selling off their stock. Movie so, gallery. Yeah, movie gallery. Oh, in a lot of mom, mom and pop places. My parents bought me like 50 VHSs for Christmas. It was great, but there was one drawback. I had the flu during Christmas. So I'm laying in bed. I mean, like, I'm physically having convulsions because I'm so sick. I mean, like, shaking myself, and I'm like coming to terms, like, well, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> um, this is the end. <laughs> my. <laughs> but I'm I have in the VCR I'm watching Howling Part Six. Oh, and I'm so sick that I can't even like raise myself up to get to the end of the bed where the remote was to put uh, to put something else in. And it wasn't that I was scared that I was going to die. I was scared I was going to die. This is in the, the last, last film you're ever going to see. <laughs> it was going to be the Howling Part Six. So uh, bad they had to change the subtitle. Ah, the freaks. Terrible, Terrible movie. Back to uh, back to Jerry Black. He was in uh, Silent Night, Silent Night, Deadly Night Five. He was in Blank Man, which is a uh, you know way ahead of the superhero curve. Just pointed out the uh, the guy like the big muscle bound dude was actually a body double for Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is a big guy. Yes, his name Holy is, Lord. His name is Peter Kent. Uh, he was in Mister Nanny. He was in Three Thousand Miles. To Poor Grace guy. Man. He was in, the but he was with Hulk Hogan. Um, but let's talk about the movies that he did uh, with Arnold, because uh, he has quite the resume. He did the Terminator, Commando, Raw Deal, Predator, The Running Man, Red Heat, Twins, which was directed by Ivan Reitman. Oh God! Ghostbusters. Shut up! He just got busted three times. Um, I total, quit. Total Recall, Terminator Two, Kindergarten Cop, uh, which was also directed by Ivan Reitman. Kindergarten Cop, four, four times. best Arnold movie ever. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. There's a teaser for what we're doing next month, and it's not Kindergarten Cop, so you infer with what you may will. Last Action Hero, True Lies, Eraser, Jingle All the Way. I had to include that because I know if I, I didn't, you would be pissed. I love that movie. Well, you're wrong. Uh, he and Arnold are friends to this day, <clears throat> but this is one of the... Where was he when Arnold got like drop kicked the other day? Just did, saying. Did Arnold fucking need him? No. He didn't even Dude, move. he didn't, he he didn't shift. 
that is a that is a shit brick house of a man, and you know he's seventy years Seven old. Seventy can still break all of us in half. God damn right, I love Arnold. We love you, Arnold. Continue make another fucking Conan movie. I don't give a fuck. Do you. it. I hope you make it when you're eighty and you still beat the fuck out of everybody. <laughs> Let's talk about Bruce Abbott. The the other lead of this film plays the role of Doctor Dan Kane. Uh, he is a pretty decent uh, career. He was in uh, the Last Starfighter, which I know you've uh, learned out the before, Last Starfighter, which uh, looks like shit on Blu-ray. Shh, <laughs> it does. It really does. I can't even defend it. I was so upset when I first watched it. Man, those effects for the time they were they were they were like that blew my mind when I was a kid. Yeah, but they were they were meant for analog. Man, that shit does oh, not work God. digitally. Uh, I'm he trying was, to watch Reboot now. Yeah, reboot sucks. Shut up! Uh, he, was, he was in Bad Dreams. He was in Casual Sex with Leah Thompson. Also yeah, he in, was. Uh, Bride of Reanimator. He was in 20 episodes of Dark Justice. Uh, he was in Prophecy 2. And he was in Black Scorpion, which, uh, great movie. Yeah, exactly. That was Ric Flair. Lies. Fuck you. That was Rick not, Flair. Not, not, he wasn't the Black Scorpion. Oh, he was okay. in the movie Black Scorpion. God damn. Thank you, Eddie. God damn Stank you. Stank Nick Eddie. Shout he's out. wearing a he's wearing a Ric Flair shirt. In case you're wondering what he's fucking talking about. Yeah. Now, um, he has a weird connection uh, to the Terminator universe. Uh, I know we just mentioned. Oh, uh, the trailer dropped today. We're yeah. very upset with it. I it know, looks right? like shit. But uh, he was married to Linda Hamilton, aka Sarah Connor, from '82 to '89. That's interesting. Um, he's he's currently married to Kathleen Quinlan, and. Uh, She's best known for a sporting actress role in Apollo 13, which she was uh, nominated for. You know, didn't mm-hmm. quite win, but that was a that was a tough year to be you know, <laughs> up against people. Uh, dude, he's he's that's a big shit. dude. God damn, he's big. All the veins. Have, have you actually seen him? Wow. Pictures of him next to Arnold? Yeah, I mean, I mean, looked it up after like I read that. I looked it up. And I was like, good lord. Yeah, there's a crush shot. It's fast. Yeah, uh, we, we will see some uh, swing and meat later. Um, I don't think we. Full on, see his uh, dangling parsable in this scene, but uh, <laughs> later, later on, we do swinging. Yeah, too. he's windmilled him. I, I, I love these. Uh, th- this is almost like fucking pro wrestling shit right here. <laughs> uh, the way that Dean Halsey is about to be murdered is 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 pretty fucking comical. Oh, you saw, I saw the chip. I saw it. I saw it. Don't look into its eye. It's angry. <laughs> look at the veins popping out of him. That's how when you know you're giving a woman the good dick. Skadoosh. Oh man. Jump. <laughs> Slip. Oh, okay. And he's still alive. But he he's about to pick Not him anymore. up and throw him up against the wall. And uh when I rewatched this the other day, the first thing that came to mind was like, man, this is straight out of the fucking WWE. Bite them fingers. He's biting them. He's working heel. <laughs> Here it comes. What is this? It's like the razor's <laughs> edge, but instead of in front, Lord. <laughs> oh man, that, that's fucking ridiculous. Um, all right, let's talk some more about uh, Bruce Abbott. Go for it. Um, one of the reasons, uh, and this is this is this is my uh, my take on the re- reason why Bruce Abbott is um, probably didn't have the career he could have had, is that he's often mistaken for two other actors. Do you have any idea who they are? Um, no. Well, we just talked about one of the movies uh, that, of a gentleman 
Uh, he's mistaken for the uh, gentleman by the name of Elias Cotes, uh, aka Casey Jones. And holy crap, do they not look? They do look similar. Same facial structure. Um, he's also um, mistaken for Christopher Maloney from Lawnor SVU. Although Maloney is a lot, yeah, more jacked than him. But I think that probably hurt. You know, like having got that look, having a having a unique look goes a long way. As long as you're handsome, um, having a unique look like Michael Berryman also gives you a long career. But you're not going to be making you know movies in the. No, you're going to be a niche character. Yeah, you're there when we need you. You're like we, well. By the way, I, I'm not talking shit about Michael Berryman. I fucking love Michael Berryman. So I don't yes. want that to come off as as me being glib or anything. Absolutely love him. But uh, Dan, uh, he retired pretty much from acting, and uh, he designs houses now. Like he's like a so he's still making bank. Yeah. So I think uh, he and Kathleen Quinlan live in a house that he designed, which is pretty nice. cool. But I I I was kind of saddened when you know the long awaited third film came out and he wasn't in it, and I'm not even sure if he was asked to be in it. They they may have just been doing it on the cheap because they shot it in a different country and everybody's. Dialogues dubbed, so maybe they didn't want to splurge on another another guy, you know, another important part of the the puzzle. By that point, David Gale was dead, so you couldn't you couldn't have him. I just I think they missed out on having a, another important part of the the collection. Okay, Barbara Crampton. One good thing, Stuart Gordon especially in this scene and all the scenes that take place in the morgue. He said his predominant memory of this film is that his shoes were stuck to the ground the entire shoot. Well, shit, I mean, the amount the amount of blood and mm-hmm. and guts they, they have in this film, it's surprising that they were able to clean That's it up the at first all. thing you think of, though, is your shoes sticking to the ground. That's <laughs> funny. Not exactly the kind Who of... Who is this guy? <laughs> he looks familiar, like... That's Lockjaw Harry. I'm just trying to figure that out. Like, why do I recognize him? You know, in all honesty, uh, looks like James Ellsworth. Uh, shit, look at it like a chin. <laughs> when uh, when I was doing my research, you know, going through IMDb and stuff, I you know he's probably listed, but I don't think he even had a headshot. So it's kind of mm. hard to put faces to some characters. Bandaged guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just named him Lockjaw Harry. Lockjaw Harry. He's my favorite actor. <laughs> He was he was in uh, he was in Spartacus with uh, Carol Channing. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. I can't even do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Barbara Crampton, uh, aka Megan mm. Halsey. Uh, she's man, she is all the way live. Man, I I'm not a huge blonde guy. Like that just doesn't generally do it for me. You liar! I you told me you loved me. Ah. <laughs> I don't really care for blondes in general, but there, there is a special occasion where a blonde, where I get it, and I really get it with her, and man, she's she's smart, she's pretty, and she's a terrific actress, and she's been in quite demand over the years, not just in horror, because uh, like... She's actually kind of had a resurgence recently as well. Well, really in horror. Yeah. Um, but like David Gale, she had sort of this credibility outside of the movie and has continued that as being a, a longtime soap opera actress. Um, my mom actually knows who who she is, but has no clue That's about insane. the animator. It, it's a weird... It's a weird, it. weird, Sorry. weird with my mom. No! <laughs> <laughs> 
charity guard's jacking it. Sorry. No. Sorry. Cut to the film. The film. Yes, that too. <laughs> I don't... I, Harvey Kramer's jacking it with your mom. I'm sorry. Oh man. Well, that's, that that leaves the both of us. We got good taste in women. <laughs> <laughs> she was in eight episodes of Days of Our Lives. Uh, she was in Brian De Palma's Body Double. Great movie. Uh, she was in Fraternity Vacation with Tim Robbins. Uh, Chopping Mall, a movie where uh, robot security guards get struck by lightning and start murdering people. Directed by Jim Wynorski. And even though, Jim, you have time and time again refused to be on this fucking podcast, <laughs> I still love your work. We're calling you out, Jim. I fucking love you, man. Uh, yeah, I can't even remember the circumstances, but he was in our group. I don't think he's in there anymore. And somebody posted something, and he got upset. He got upset about it, and I'm like, "You like you of all people should not be people upset." People can have opinions, yeah, but like, don't you know, don't get butthurt about it. Yeah, I've done nothing but say nice things about Jim Wynorski, and I will continue to say nice things about it. But maybe you need to plug your bloody hole a little bit. Um, From Beyond, great. Great film. Uh, Puppet Master, part one. And uh, she's nude in that film as well. Um, mm. Good stuff. Transfers 2, 36 episodes of Guiding Light. 145 episodes of The Bold and Beautiful, which is the one that my Holy mom crap. knows her for and evidently jacks off to. Uh, 105 episodes of The Young and the Restless. <laughs> she was in Your Next, uh, which is sort of a divisive film. I loved it. Uh, me and... Uh, uh, Dylan, you know, and nobody knows going to know Aww, Dylan. Uh, long, Dylan. Dylan, for, former uh, employee of mine, a good guy. We saw it, uh, and he didn't quite get it, but I loved it because it's a bit of wonderful satire, and that's sort of my my bread. But all these scenes where he's acting insane, it's I I seriously thought it was a different actor, just how well he's just like throwing himself against those walls. What's crazy is, I think it was this. Yeah, it was this film. That structure was not structurally sound. So every time he hits a wall, you'll notice they'll cut away. Yeah, because it kept it... falling over. <laughs> so he's almost always in the center of the room or just shaking. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's good that's, stuff. That's a low budget filmmaking. Yeah. I'm sure probably um, you you there was a point where, like, there was some miscommunication between whoever was building the, mm-hmm. you know, like, thinking, like, well, nobody's going to be bumping into these walls. Because oftentimes, I mean, you're not building a, a building to be you know, lived in, you're building it for the aesthetic. So, I've um, thrown myself into a few padded walls. As if it I. It sucks. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we, both, we both worked in the uh, the haunted house industry. Speaking of which, let me tell, tell you a little story. Let me tell you a fucking story of what happened to me this, this past week. <laughs> so I'm at work, and I'm in the crazy cell. Um, for oh. those of you who don't know, I work in a year-round haunted house, and I've got my straight jacket on, i got my arms hanging out the cell, and this guy comes up, and I, I'm assuming, for, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, he didn't know I was real. Thought you were a prop. And he grabbed a hold of my arm. Which and, he shouldn't be touching anyway. Exactly. It's one of the rules. He only touch walls and doors. Us, we don't touch you. But that's beside the point. He grabbed a hold of my arm and like jerked it down to the bar, which really fucking hurt. Yeah. So, of course, I asked him to leave. It wasn't a big deal. Pretty cut and dry. Same as it is... You know, we have drunk. He, I don't believe he was drunk, but he was. It's just my point. Like we have drunks and people act up all the time. Not a big deal. Well, I find out the next day that he had called and complained, and he he postulates and um, says that I grabbed him basically by the throat and like (laughs) and drug him out of the haunted. Thank God. 
for now that's for something fucking, I would do, not you. Thank, thank God for cameras. Not to mention the guy like was a foot taller than me oh. and, and and twice as wide, which is just a. I'm, if I, you find out working there, though, size doesn't mean a thing on who's scared and who's it, not. It, it does. It doesn't. But my point being is like, um, if he didn't want me to drag him, I don't. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have happened. Mm. So point being, it didn't happen. Fuck you, dude. Um, <laughs> I get lied on all the time. That's beside the point. Um, Back to Barbara Crampton. Uh, she was actually not the first choice for this role. The first choice was a girl, I think she was still in high school. Or no, she was shortly out of high school, but her mother was her agent and told her she did not like the script. So the girl had to call them in and tell her mother did not like the script, so she had uh, to quit. Well, the the, the better person got it, the Barbara role. Barbara Crampton got the role, and it's much better for it. I don't know who the girl oh is. Oh my god, but you, look, you can see the walls shaking. Yeah, fade they to, pointed fade, out. Faded like real quick. Uh, Barbara Crampton was in Lords of Salem. Uh, was another divisive movie. I'm I'm kind of wishy washy on Rob Zombie. Um, I'll give that movie a pass until the Devil's ending. Devil's Rejects it's really Devil's Rejects is there terrific. Um, what about Halloween? <laughs> Two the, the, the Halloween. <laughs> I, that's a conversation that I'm going to save for a Halloween episode because I don't want to go. That and, movie's got to be reviewed at some point. You uh, know it's got to happen. They will. Oh, they, they will. Give it time. Uh, Beyond the Gates. I am, I'm going to give this a five star recommendation. Uh, oftentimes, newer newer movies uh, will come out and they'll fly under the radar. And thankfully, you know, Horror Hound or, or whatever, uh, Joe Blow, Arrow the Head. I'll I'll find out about them. This movie completely flew under my radar, and it ended up on Netflix. And I'm, like, bored one night, and I see, oh, shit, it's got Barbara Crampton in it. I'll watch it. It's terrific. And it's basically Jumanji, but the horror version, and it's, a, like, a oh. VCR game. Well, you sold me on it. it I'm it, watching it now. Well, shit, I'll, I'll let you borrow it on the, right. on the way. It, it's really good. I, I can't recommend it enough. And she kind of plays the Dungeon Master uh, VCR Character like telling you what to do, and they really, really crank up the color on her eyes. Like they, they make her eyes glow. Good stuff. Oh, I'll, I'll watch that. I, I, I really recommend it. Uh, she's in Death House, uh, which you've seen. I did not. Um, I can't bring myself to. I now. actually enjoyed them. Did you? Because I know it's been it's gotten kind of a a mixed reaction from mixed to bad reaction from from people. Either you like it or you won't. I didn't mind it. Uh, I mean, the sheer fact that they were able to get that many people together in one place uh, of that caliber. Oh, is... I just got two totally. I thought you were talking about Hell House, which no. I'm sure. Death House is the one with Kane and all them in yeah. it, right? No, please never watch that film. Okay, well there you go. Imagine the <laughs> like. Oh God, it is. Uh, there's a part where like they jump down an elevator shaft. It's like the main two characters. And they're just spinning, firing them at it, like, not holding on to anything. And they just drop, like, 50 floors, and they land, and they're fine. These must be, like, normal humans. I am so confused by that film. Well, now you're making me want to watch it. You don't want to watch it, I'm telling you. I'm going to watch it. uh, That's probably the... It's up to a Batman vs. Superman. I'll put it on that level. Uh, I'll put it on that level. That's pretty bad. I regret the time that I took out of my life to watch it. Uh, Barbara, Love it, Barbara Crampton. Uh, Barbara, <laughs> she was inducted into the Fangoria Hall of Fame in 2016. Well deserved, absolutely well deserved. One of the most famous scenes coming up. 
one that also makes me laugh my ass off. Um, uh, Stuart Gordon's wife worked on this film. Uh, she's the older woman, doctor. the older doctor. Yeah. Uh, you see her kind of bookend the movie. Her name is uh, Carolyn Purdy. Uh, plays Doctor Haggard in this film, and she has appeared in most of his films. And evidently, the first one that they she in. they were they worked together for years, and um, it turns out that like I guess they had been divorced for a lot of that, um, but they still worked together. It's kind of nice, I guess, him to you know they both respect each other's chops. I mean, yeah. you may like not get along with somebody in a relationship, but you can still be friends or cordial. I guess. Recognize real, recognize real. <laughs> or, uh, so, some uh, general trivia. We'll, we'll knock this out, and then we'll start getting to our uh, fan submitted questions, which we've got quite a few. Cut. Okay, so this movie was nominated for Best Horror Film at the 1986 Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Awards, aka Saturn Award. That's basically the horror version of an Oscar. Um, nice. I, I should have looked up what actually won it in 1986. But I, I can't imagine that it's, I mean, if it beat Reanimator, it's got to be pretty damn good. Or it was just, you know. Well, you said it was 87? 86. Uh, uh, 24 uh, gallons of blood was used. Um, now, you want to you sound the off about that? The director does say, according to him, that there was 25 gallons of blood used throughout the filming. And it's the modern champion of horror films. Now, now, our good friend Mick Strawn, shout out Mick, check out his uh, his podcast, Dream Warrior Review, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and all of those good places. Now, he claims on Blade that they that they have way more, and I'm blanking on the actual number, but um, there's a scene where they're in a club, and they have, like, shower, like the... It's uh, the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, when the... Uh, Oh, what they call them? Sprinklers go off, mm-hmm. and it's just like this blood. It says blood bath in the background, yeah. in the middle of this rave club, and so he he claims they used more. Now, maybe the argument could be that even though like they used more, you don't see it as much. So I, I you know, I don't know. But uh, now it chapter two is claiming that they, they used over fifty gallons in just one scene, and the, the one from the commercial. They may be right, because, well, holy if, crap. If I'm, if I'm remembering knocked correctly... The, you got knocked the fuck out! I, I still believe that Mick said Jank. that they used more. This is so cool. I love this shot. That one, oh, that is so cool. You know what my favorite part about the this part, this whole thing? Is what? Tell me. The stuff hanging at the bottom. You don't normally see stuff like that. Normally it's like a clean cut or yeah. something, but no, they make it look purposely disgusting. It's so cool. I love that. They're very, very dangerous. One of my favorite scenes in the movie right here. Tries setting the hand up and it just keeps falling over. And he doesn't sell it. It's just more like, this is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, doing? but th- doesn't this feel more like how it would actually be if you're yeah. trying to get a fucking head to stand up? And I love, you know, the the, the note stand. Like, ploop. <laughs> it's good stuff. Stay. Uh, reportedly, this film was shot in 18 days. Um, that's pretty incredible. I mean, low-budget filmmaking... Uh, you've, you've got to be two weeks before this, they practiced in a hotel just to get everything right before they even started shooting. Well, that, that's because of Stuart Gordon's background working Theaters. in theater and he really wanted, because I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, even though a lot happens in this movie, it doesn't have a super high body count. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the set pieces, you know, are very gory and over the top, but there is a lot more, 
uh, I guess, character in this film than maybe other contemporaries. It's a very dialogue-heavy film, too. A lot of talking. Yeah, but it, it's it's so good that it doesn't feel like you're... And they're not giving you, like, just strands of exposition. It's all just... Uh, it comes out organically. Nothing's wasted. Yeah. I love, I love what we're about to have happen where it's just... <laughs> The the the, the, the 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 fucking decapitated body um, working independently um, is kind of like comic relief. That's it's pretty fucking funny. Um, how old were you when you first saw this? I was fairly young. Uh, I was like ten or eleven. Um, <laughs> there there there's a little bit of difference uh, in our in our ages, and when. I, I was, was probably weird. I was probably thirteen or fourteen before I ever saw this. Not for lack of desire, because I'd seen it in Fangoria. It was one of those things. Like I had a friend who had it, and it was like one of those things they talk about the time. And it was almost like you feel you feel like you shouldn't be watching this film. Like if my mom knew, oh my god, I get a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I saw it most like maybe thirteen or fourteen. Like I said, not for lack of desire to, but because. Uh, there in my hometown, there were a lot of video stores, but the the one video store that actually had it, it was always rented out, or mm-hmm. so I thought until I finally asked them about it, and they're like, "Oh no, you know somebody rented it and never brought it back." So they had the the box sitting out there, you know, with the little chips that you take. You know, it, it was never on there. That's beside the point. So years like went by of me really wanting to see this movie and like having built it up in my head as being like the greatest thing ever. Um, we had a Camelot Music in the Morristown Mall. When it went out of business, they put an FYE in there. Well, FYE did where you could order special order movies. So the first thing I ever did, order-wise, was I ordered Reanimator. That's really cool. Or I tried to. Ah. Got to the point where um, they asked me how old I was, and they would not let me order ah. it. So I had to get my mother to go up there. And your mom actually got it for you, though. She, she did. Oh, that's sweet. She did. Um, My mom wouldn't have done that. She wouldn't even let me play well, like Star Wars games because I had thirteen on up until I was thirteen. <laughs> so. My, I mean, I got away with with a lot. Uh, I mean, I was I was a latchkey kid, you know. Like, I mean, I just I kind of raised myself, and they they knew like uh, the more stimulation I had uh, inside, uh, the better off. Because if I was left to my own devices mm. out in the world, I probably would have gotten into trouble. So I'm not one to uh, to correlate bad behavior with uh, with horror cinema. Um, another. Aspect of this movie that uh, is probably the, the the biggest star of it is the is the makeup, right? like you were just saying about the head having the, mm-hmm. the little dangly bits to make it look just gross. And I recognized one name, and while I was watching the uh, credits last night, I can't. He worked at K and B. Uh, Everett Burl, I believe, is who you're uh, referring to. Uh, he worked on Trancers, Day of the Dead, which is available in the in the archives. Go check that episode out. Hard Rock Zombies, which is uh, one of my all-time favorite bad movies. If you ever wanted to see a uh, 30-something uh, mustachioed rocker uh, sing a song to a 13-year-old girl uh, that, that ends up being the uh, <laughs> statutory rape ballad of all time. Uh, and That's they, going they, them getting killed by uh, a disguised Hitler... 
Um, and then coming back as zombies. I'm like, sold. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it sounds a lot better than it actually is. Um, Eliminators, Invaders from Mars, Aliens, oh, Vamp, Trick or, Trick or Treat, which is also available in the uh, archive. Uh, Creep Show 2, Lost Boys, The Hidden, which uh, Mixtron worked on that. Big up, Big Strom. Uh, Phantasm 2, Monkey Shines, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, 11 episodes of Freddy's Nightmares. Uh, Phantom of the Opera, which is the Robert England version. Uh, Two Evil Eyes, Night of the Living Dead remake, Batman Returns, Dark Half, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, the original Power Rangers movie, which the only reason I'm even mentioning this, because if I don't, Titty Flippin' Travis and Touch and Tip Skips will give me shit. So there you guys go, guys. I gave you your Power Power Ranger Ranger moment. Sucks. (laughs) Dracula Dead and Loving It, Blade 1 and 3, Frailty, Hellboy, Passion of the Christ, Sin City, Pan's Labyrinth, <laughs> Holy and the Lord. Mist. That just like covers the entire gamut. Uh, there's more. Prometheus, Fantastic Four, the Corman version, Deep Star Six, Harry and the Hendersons, Trolls, Ghoulies, Dungeon Master, he won Outstanding Individual Achievement in Makeup for a series for Babylon 5. Um, good stuff. I, and even though, like, I guess there are movies on that list I just read you that are probably better known, and, uh, I mean, especially effects, and some of these are absolutely terrific, but <laughs> how, how can you argue with a, a decapitated head carrying... A know, body carrying its own head yeah. in its hands. Incredible stuff. It is such good. So, have you got any uh, extra trivia that you had left over you want to uh, rail out before well, we get to our questions? I do know uh, Jeffrey Combs, when I went in for the reading of this, had never heard of H.P. Lovecraft. He had never heard the story or of H.P. Lovecraft, period. And part of the reason why is because in 1984, uh, this a lot of H.P. Lovecraft stuff went out of print. And it just they never realized it because they didn't really have a thing back then. He was a very cult guy. It's only been the more, like, the last 20 years or so, H.P. Lovecraft's come back into fashion again. Well, I think the uh, internet has revolutionized things in, in a way where... Even the most niche of fandoms, you know, we mm. all find each other, so. David Gale has uh, one of the coolest behind-the-scenes pictures of all time is from this movie, and it's uh, Stuart Gordon holding the cigarette for David Gale. Yeah. Because he couldn't move, because he's, in, you know, just heading the tray. Uh, the brains in this movie uh, were made up of steer meat byproducts, ground beef, and fake blood. Well, whatever, uh, they, they, whatever oh, the process was, they look they look terrific. Oh, it, I mean, they look very nasty. very gross and meaty. While we're under the shaved head, glow sticks, thumb shot in eighteen days, blah blah. I'll wait for later for that one. All right, go ahead. All right, the rest of my stuff. All right, again. this comes from Fat Tony. Oh God, serious question: <clears throat> How do you rank reanimator zombies to other cinematic zombies? You know. I, when watching this movie, I don't even really think of them as zombies, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's exactly what they are. They're reanimated corpses. Reanimated corpses that are lobotomized as well. <laughs> and he uses his mesmerized techniques on them without using his mesmerized techniques <laughs> on them. So I, uh, see right here is the mesmerized scene coming up. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Oh, this is this, this is that. actually a really great shot. The two-way mirror yeah. uh, gag. We're just going to focus in on David Gale right here. This is this is terrific. There Fade. You go. Yeah, that's the we have a effect at our haunted house. Um, I mean, it's pretty goes back to carnival days called Pepper's Ghost. That's that is exactly what you're seeing right there. It's just the the angle of a uh, of a light 
to change the reflection. Very simple stuff, but very effective. Uh, I'm, uh, compared to other zombies. Well, I mean, let's uh, just narrow it down. Like, I mean, basically, you got you got your Romero zombies, you've got your Dan O'Bannon zombies, and then you've got your like uh, twenty eight days later rage zombies. Um, I I prefer Dawn of the Dead. Uh, slow, you know, mindless kind of ambling about. These guys are in this film are like. Right, like they break shit when they go for it, they go for it, and they're, it's like all over the place. They're, they're sort of, I guess, uh, in between uh, the Dan O'Bannon. Uh, I guess they'd Return be more like uh, the original zombies that were mind controlled humans, basically, because they like, hold the dude down and everything. Haitian, like Haitian yeah. zombies. So well, I guess that's what I compare them to. That yeah, makes sense. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, wall. I, I love the, I love them. Go jacket. Here we I go. love them, but the, they're I wouldn't rank them. They're not the. They're not what I most like about this no. film. Uh, this this question comes from Chris Fields. Is Reanimator the best H.P. Lovecraft film ad- adaptation? If not, what is the best? It's definitely the best movie. It's not a good adaptation. It has very little to do with the source material, and even they said that it had really nothing to do with the source material by the end, other than characters and some names. And so stuff. what? There's no head given head in the. Oh no, that's definitely that's ripped straight from the pages. Uh... I don't even know. Well, there, there really isn't any really, really good ripped straight from the pages of H.P. Lovecraft. Um, uh, a lot of them, well, cause, because he wrote a lot of short stories, um, you know, 20 minutes into the movie, like, you've you've completely departed whatever yeah. source material, story-wise. Um, I wanted stuff like inner dialogue and mood settings. It's... I'm, I'm going to say... From beyond, even though basically like the very beginning of that movie is all that's adapted from it, and I'm just going by the the effects in that movie, uh, the mood. That move also movie also has like really really great '80s lighting, but it's a little more uh, tech noir kind of. Uh, it definitely has a, it. A, a look. Uh, I'm trying to say it's unique. But not. Yeah. It's very of the time, but it's, but it's really it, it nice. Is very, it is very of the time, but at the same time, it's not. Uh, like, as I was trying to explain about this movie, like, it, when you look at it, it, it's so 80s, but it doesn't really look like other 80s mm-hmm. movies, if that makes any sense. It does. Um, From Beyond, uh, another movie I kind of creamed my jeans on about for, <laughs> for years, and... Finally, finally trapped a VH, uh, trapped, uh, I can't talk. I tracked down a VHS copy of it, uh, in, when I was in like maybe, uh, j- junior, sophomore in high school. And I fucking loved it. And for the longest time, like, I had convinced myself that, like, it was better than Reanimator. But I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. Like, they're, they're both, they're both great in their own right. I just have to be in the right mood for either mm-hmm. one of them. So they're they're like the same side of a different coin, or whatever. So I'm you tie to. them. They're a tie for you, depending yeah. on the day. What about today? Right now, which movie's better? Gun to your head. Uh, I'm going to say From Beyond, just because uh, Barbara, Barbara Crampton has that leather that leather outfit, and she shows her <laughs> shows her boobies. It's good stuff. <laughs> uh, Love this crap. Who has had the better directing wow. career, Stuart Gordon or Brian Eusner? That comes from John Lucas. I'm going to say they've had just about 
an equal. equal. More high profile, I would say Stuart Gordon, but as far as just quality of, of film, because let's just be honest. Uh, <gasps> I sure that's the guy with the giant dick. <laughs> it is! The guy, because he's balding! I'm sorry! I'm glad you know. Holy lord! I like. Oh, we, we will point it out oh. when, when it's. It's kind of hard to miss. It's like Big Ben. It's I, iconic now. I wonder. I wonder how how defined it is on 4K Blu-ray. We need to. We need to find out. You can see the. You can see the. See the veins popping out of it. Uh, did he change her? That is. I, I watched it last night, and the same thought went through my head whenever he carries her in the door out there. That's not the clothes she was wearing in the last scene. So, did he knock her out, change her clothes, and then bring her here just to rip the clothes off? And not, I agree. It's not the same clothes, but um, it is it is very similar to what she was wearing. So, was it just, I mean, was there a scene cut out? I mean, I, I checked the uh, deleted scenes, and it, it may know. be explained. Here we go. Moment of silence. Oh, Jesus. Don't look me in the eyes right now. <laughs> oh, motherfucker. <laughs> He grabbed my leg and I just punched my chair. Worth it. The look, the look at David Gill. No I mean, one, can no you blame one, him? No wonder his wife divorced him. The, the lust you got lust life. in your eyes <laughs> for man. Yeah, it's a big bush. It was the eighties. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This this question comes from Ben Hopkins. Recast the perfect reanimator remake with actors from today. Um, when I when Ben sent this question in, and first of all, thank you, Ben. He's he's Holy been a crap, fan since the very beginning. Um, the, I don't know why I came to this conclusion, but I'm going to say it's remade, but with the cast of The Office. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Jim Jim will be uh, Dan Kane. Um, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do we know whose hands these were? Uh, I believe those were um, Stuart Gordon's. That's what I've heard, but it seemed like nobody had a definitive answer, and I was like, how how the hell did you not know? Shit, if that was my hands, I would be uh, championing be that. I would, I would pay to have that one. Yeah, titty, titty squeezer, titty gaffer. <laughs> <laughs> titty gaffer on set, five minutes till we shoot this... Eddie. All right, boys, time to go to work. <laughs> Keep them moisturized. <laughs> okay, um, Pam would be Meg. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I have uh, basically alternate casting where it could either be um, fucking uh, Dwight as uh, Herbert? Herbert West, I, or, I... or he could be... Um, and Michael, I mean, basically, him and Michael could switch characters, like, whichever, because I I, I really think uh, Dwight stereotypically looks more like uh, Herbert West, but at the same time, personality uh, also could be applicable for Carl Hill. Um, either either or. I know that doesn't necessarily make it a good movie, but that was the first thing that popped in my head. You got anything to add, add to that? I have the scenes coming up. I have a few. Suck that titty. Little, uh, yeah. Yeah. Ah. Oh. He's leaving all the <clears throat> trail of blood on her nipple. That's for the very end. Okay, uh, what kind of influence do you think this movie had on the cinematic masterpiece Frankenhooker? Or do you think Frankenhooker inspired the sequel? 
Uh, I absolutely think that Frank Herrenlauter saw Reanimator and thought, I can take this and the Frankenstein monster kind of route and, and make something crazy. Frankenhooger, uh, is available in the archive. I don't necessarily recommend that episode. I was unprepared, and it was Judd's first episode, and we were not quite on our, our best game. Frankenhooker, You're however, learned. is a terrific movie. In fact, uh, Bill Murray gave the uh, quote for it on the on the front cover, saying, "If you only, I think it's something along the lines, if you only see one movie this year, it should be Frankenhooker. Um, you got anything to add to that? I love that entire scene right here. Uh just that that's iconic. That shot is so cool of him holding his own head and having like an argument. Well, the, the wide the wide shot doesn't look great because you can tell it's a it's a rig with him sticking his head yeah. through, but the close up shot looks fine. Get a job in a sideshow. Yeah. Ah, it's love very, it. Very uh, an allusion to what happens in the in the sequel. Oh shit! It's about to break loose. I know. Originally, right here, uh, they were. The whole scene was written with 30 zombies in mind. They were able to get six. <laughs> there are six people in this scene. And the because of the, the props and everything they're going to break and stuff, they couldn't afford to do this more than once. So basically they just shot like four different cameras and different angles and just let it go. So this is all done in one shot. That's pretty actually, incredible. That is pretty incredible. This had to be fun, though. It's well, like the actors just, uh, just playing the were, uh, they worked together at the, uh, the YMCA for two weeks to coordinate all their movements as zombies, oh, so they cool. didn't run into each other. It's almost like... Oh, God. There, there it is. There it is! <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking... <laughs> this is so big. Like, I was trying to look at it, and I was like, you can't help but look at that, like, straight in the eye. It, it's like, just, God, it's past the table. <laughs> What do you think when they were casting? It's like, all right, I gotta see your dick. All right, we if, got plenty of titties. Like, we need a big dick. Like, right on the hard count. If, if, if you're gonna get this role, you, you gotta be you gotta be swinging more than eight inches. He's like, I got it for you, dude. <laughs> Stunt cock. <laughs> She's fighting. He does a fight scene in this right here. On this junk hanging out. So oh. they just they zoomed in on the, the mesmerizing scene right there again. So he's just laying there basically not fighting the zombies while they're drilling into his head. But it's not really explained. That's one thing I wish they would have left in. Uh, well, I mean, it, it does kind of create these weird moments, but at the same time, like, I think the movie's fine the way it is. Alright, I read this was originally written as a theatrical stage show. Do you know if it was ever performed on stage? If so, would you like to see... Uh, it in that concept. Um, I don't believe that... It made it that far. Well, I don't think that they ever did it as a stage show, but I know it yeah. has been done as a stage show. But right now, you can see a Reanimator the Musical. Um, Mother of God. And I, I looked it up, and it's it's good stuff. This scene right here, coming up, when they chuck the head against the wall, um, whenever they shot this scene... Everyone, because it was like uh, the thing was full of like jelly and the, the meat byproduct and all the ground beef and stuff. So whenever he chucks it at the wall and it explodes, everyone was like covered in uh, trash cans or trash bags and stuff. So they weren't sure how big the explosion was going to be. <laughs> well, I can't really blame them because yeah, uh, probably. I love this. Oh, really, it's really it's up there with when Jason crushes it. Oh, I love this so much. 
Which you don't even really get to see. The oh, there's that dangling dick again. Yeah! <laughs> it's bigger than the fucking black guys. I know that, <laughs> that may be racist of me to say, but this, this white boy's dick is bigger than the black guys. Like, by a lot. By, by a fucking baby's arm a lot. He's always shaking his ass. He's just standing there shaking. That is acting. Boom. Great shot. Wow. Whip. <laughs> Ugh. And I'm the fuck out of here. Guards out of there. Okay. Um. This comes from Titty Flip and Travis. Okay. Oh, is Hans Gruber in this film in any way linked to Hans Gruber in Die Hard? No. It is not. It was his grandfather. Sure. Okay. Fine. It is. That is now head cannon. Retro- welcome. Retroactively uh, put into cannon. Uh, but yeah, the, the the legit answer is no. It's just a common name, common you know name, and they just happen to have the same. Yeah. Around. What's the most foreign sounding uh, Western European name you can think of? Hans Gruber. Well, there you go. There you go. I hope we satisfied your curiosity there, Travis. Uh, hypothetically speaking, if I had erectile dysfunction and injected reagent into my dick, would it bring it back to life? That also comes from Titty Flip and Travis. Yes, but it might try to kill you. Um, do you have erectile dysfunction, Travis? Blue Chew. <laughs> try some bluechew.com. <laughs> You'll have dick for days. Not but, a paid advertisement. Yeah, it is not. However, uh, you, those of you out there in the Rain Army, uh, we would very much like them to be a sponsor. So uh, message them on, you know, hit them up on Twitter, get us some of that Blue Chew money. <laughs> All right, Chew this, World Order. This comes from Danny Rainbow's legendary wrestler, who was uh, recently mentioned by fucking um, Rich Swan. Rich Swan called the, him out. Called him out on uh, Next Gen TN podcast. Um, if you could reanimate any dead person, who would you bring back? I thought, like, I thought, for him to be, like, no. normal, or for him to go rage crazy? Just, like, what, whichever. If what? you could bring, so basically the question is, if you could bring back any person dead. Yeah. Like, just for instance, say, say they got the, uh, the, the mixture just right. Well, I know your answer. I'll just go ahead and say it because you're stalling for time. Goddamn Ronnie James Dio. I don't even care if he oh, came back. All that was my second guess. I thought you were going to do Harold Ramis. No, that'd be Ronnie James Dio. And uh, if uh, I don't care if he came back all fucking. I know I had my answer immediately, but is it John Wayne? The, yeah, the way he died, like he. I don't know if he saw the last time he ever appeared in public, but he did not look like John Wayne anymore. Uh, so I wouldn't want to bring him back like that. I think John a, a crazed. Um, Zombie John Wayne would be great. In fact, let's make that movie. Oh, dude. I, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. For America. For America. If there was ever a time America needed John Wayne, it's now, Pilgrim. All right, this comes from Allison Hunt. Among the other great Scream Queens, where would you rank Barbara Crampton? Allison Hunt. Um... Definitely top three. My, 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 for my my all time favorite screen queen, I don't would not rank as like one of the greats. Melissa Moore is my all time favorite screen queen, um, but that's mostly because of her uh, physical attributes rather than her acting ability. No, no offense. Um, they're good too, <sighs> but the 
That's the first one that comes to yeah. mind, but because of uh, the scream. Jamie, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis has got to be number one. Um, uh, I mean, I know Heather Langkamp's probably up there. Oh, um, yeah. So she, number three. I, I'm fine with I'm fine with number three. So I, I, may, I, may, I may even put her number two because uh, Heather Langkamp was pretty pretty. I mean, she's still attractive. But she's not attractive as much as attractive as she was then. I'd still uh, knock the dust off of Jamie Lee Curtis. I would, put, and so would Steak Dig Eddie. I would put Barbara Cameron at number two just because Heather Langkamp's mostly known for yeah, Nightmare. Not, not Mary, I mean, she has done the Gambit. She has done quite a few things. Even your mom knows who she that's is. That's true. That's true. So she has transcended horror. All right, um, and came back to it, which never happens. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> He's, he's Don't like, be ashamed of your he, roots. He, he's starting to come around on yeah. it. He's starting to come around on his horror background. Um, why is Reanimator always overlooked when listing great horror films of the 1980s? Um, number that's, number that's one, the, the number one answer: Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. Two, Evil Dead Two. It's literally whenever you say cult horror cult classic, that is the first thing that pops in my head, and I, I can't help it. I love Evil Dead Two. I plan on getting a Bruce Campbell tattoo. Uh, I. I the this movie is Just a step below for it, me. It's it, it it has it to me it's sort of like the median between Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. Whereas Evil Dead Two is more fucking realized and ridiculous. I'm a terrible parent. My child loves the Evil Dead series. I, I let him watch it. I make him cover his eyes at some of the more naughty parts. But I can show him that and it doesn't scare him. Bruce Campbell helped me go over my fear of horror movies as a child because anytime I had a nightmare, you imagine Bruce Campbell kicking in a door, all of a sudden it's not a scary dream anymore. So I have that going for me, that nostalgia. So and I can't show my son Reanimator. I can't oh, show a five year old Reanimator. Why the fuck not? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I'm not a parent. I don't have to worry about. I it. know you. You're the one that shows my son all the bad stuff. Well. Um, you can show him Reanimator. Oh, Bree, don't listen to this podcast. It's okay. Why the, what the fuck, Bree? She subscribes, but she'd rather listen to that other one. Ah, well, fuck your wife, and I'm not in a way that brings her any kind of pleasure. <laughs> I well, love that cutaway at the end where it just it fades to black, but you still see the green, and then it just slowly goes down, and then you get the screen. Great ending, love it. Great movie. I mean, overall, I I'd, I'd put it, you know, at the top of any any list I were to ever compile. Of great horror films it, of this or any generation. It's really that is a really good question though. Like whenever I think of eighties horror movies, I never do think of this film. It never pops in my head immediately. It's always, oh yeah, that did exist. Holy crap, it was a great movie. Um, I, I for for me that kind of works in the film's benefit to some ways because when you have kind of forgotten about it for a while and you mm. watch it, it, it has a more of a, a newness to it. Whereas like if I, if I watch Friday the 13th, the final chapter for the 800th time, I know the movie like the back of my hand, but there's nuances to reanimator, even though I've seen it a fuck ton times that it's still, I'm going to have to watch it again soon because Bree still hasn't seen this movie and it's on the list of horror movies she needs to well, watch. God so. damn it. Bree, listen to this commentary got- with it. Make it happen. But then I'll have to listen to myself talk, and I don't want to do that. Oh, well, shit. Well, hold on. John Carl Beekler. That's the name I was thinking of. Uh, Holy crap. Yeah, unfortunately, he passed away not uh-huh. long ago. Um, he worked on... That's the name I was thinking on of. ...on quite a few of our favorite films of the era. 
Gone, but not forgotten. He was a funny dude. Very, very very talented, very funny um, all around. Very, very uh, loved and will be missed. Um, I think I overlooked this before, and if I said it, I'll I'll say it again. Uh, The body count in this film is five, uh, or it's four if you take into account that even though technically uh, Herbert West dies in this movie, he's back in the sequel, so take that for what you will. However... Dies. He dies off screen. Off screen, man. Technically, so does so does Doctor Gruber, but you oh. see the the you know the aftermath of that. So mm. for whatever, however you want to quantify it. However, from going this point forward, the body count segment will be referred to as Fat Tony's hit list. So uh, look forward to that in uh, uh, future episodes. I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, you can just make some general. Statements about like the, you know, how the film is held up. I always, I always forget. Like I said, this movie exists until somebody either brings it up or I see it in passing. But every time it does come up, I'm reminded of how amazing it is. And every time I watch it, I'm still just as happy watching it as I was the first time when I was ten and was afraid my mom was going to spank my ass for watching it. I love this film. Everyone should go out of their way to watch it. By the way, as we're seeing the stunts go up, you see George Wilbur. Uh, that's uh, Michael Myers from uh, Halloween 4. He was also oh, the bailiff in Ghostbusters 2, so there's your fourth. Shut up. You just got busted. All right. Um, same thing for me. Like it, it, it continues to to be in and out of my life, and I'll I'll never forget it. Uh, love you, Stuart Gordon. Love you, Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton, everybody involved. Good stuff. So that's going to bring us uh, to another close of the Rants from Black Lodge podcast uh, for... Fat Fuck Scott, I'm Brandon A. Lane. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Rance Black Lodge. Subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, and just about anywhere podcasts are available. And don't forget to find us on JuicyKruger.com for a whole back catalog. We got shirts! We also have shirts. The link is in the description. Buy a Fat Fuck Scott shirt. Or don't. Buy a shirt. Hey, no. buy, buy a good shirt. Nobody wants to uh. shit. Alright, we'll see you next month, everybody. Pleasant screams.